0: Welcome back to Rad Talk with Tracy and part 2 of my conversation with Rad Mom Cheryl Russo. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. So talk about the biggest behaviors that started to really, I mean including the cat is one of them. Right. But that really were severe and that led you down this whole path of this kid can't be with us anymore.
1: As we moved forward, the more we the more we kind of moved we got thomas saved there was an issue with we had a mini farm so we had a horse we had a horse we had chickens we had um guinea pig you know um we had our we had a big 125 pound bernice mountain dog i mentioned who was my um, sidekick for work he was trained certified Lord, we may have had some more little critters in between there as well but unfortunately even wild animals for ella were An issue, so she would catch mice, chipmunks, and then tear them apart with her bare hands. Um, So even if we were told or may have been mentioned to get rid of the animals, which wasn't going to happen because it wasn't going to solve the problem, the wild animals were an issue, the cats were an issue, that sort of thing. There was a day where it was actually seemed to be going well. You hold on to those, and uh, I was cooking on the grill on the deck and going in and out, and I in the backyard. She had her back to me, and everyone saw it. she'd look over and smile at me. She was just sitting there for the longest time, content and smiling. And I was like, "Wow, okay, so maybe we're doing okay today." And in your mind, this is what you really want to think. They were playing separately. I was like, "If this is the way it has to be, they're playing apart." I'll take it. Layla was inside with me. It's okay. She's outside. I got dinner on, and I went outside, and I noticed there was a huge pile of chicken feathers. Now. Our chickens were raised as pets before they ever, before we ever adopted. So they, they, you could be on the deck and they would like follow you in the house. If they were that friendly and they would hop up in your lap. if. And this was actually one of my favorites who had gotten hurt and I had helped them back her back, back to life. And so she, um, I was really upset when I saw these particular feathers on the ground and I ran inside and I said, Job's Harmon's gone. I don't, I can't find her, but there's feathers over her, So I don't know how something got her. I was literally out there. It's still not clicking that they're in this, but the feathers are in the same spot that she had been sitting in. And the bird's not there. So as I'm running in and out and tears are streaming down my face, she's smiling at me and everybody else is looking, you know, they're like, what do we do? I said, you guys sit here, look, you know, eat your dinner. I'm going to go see if I can find her. And I finally found her. But she was like huddled up in a bush like she couldn't get out. Hmm. And I looked and said, oh, my God. She plucked her feathers alive. She had held her and plucked her feathers alive. But how did I not hear that? So I'm trying to stay calm. I went inside. And I said, does anybody want to tell me what happened to Harmon?" Why? And I said, so then I did call her out at this point. And I said, you were holding her. What happened? nothing. So then I took her outside and I brought her up to the coop where I had her in the coop and I had her kind of taken care of because she couldn't even get up in and out of the coop now.
0: Oh, poor thing.
1: And I said, tell me what happened and why you did this. And I just wanted to. And I said, how did I not know? I held her be closed so that she couldn't, you couldn't hear her scream. I can't even imagine. No, it was getting to the point at this point where I said, I put my hands down. I just said, go. I need you to go right now. And I'll be in in a minute. And at that point we though with the birds because they were outside and they had been used to free ranging. We couldn't free range them anymore. So we tried keeping them in and they got so terrified when they would see her that they would smash themselves into the side of the cages and the side of the coop. So Jeez. those we did rehome for their own sake and their safety. And it, that was painful. And then it just, again, it was like because we did that it's again another piece of power she had so this is one reason it's so hard for me to say you know getting rid of the animals is the answer because for her and every kid's different people know their kids I will never say it's okay to abuse an animal it's not and if I was going to have if I was going to have if I was going to knowingly adopt a rat I would never have animals if I was going to have animals I would never knowingly adopt a rat a rat kid Yeah. That would be the two ways it would be. It, it just, right. there would be no, no two ways about it.
0: So Ella was carrying out all these extreme, terrifying behaviors. So what was the point? Where Where did you go from there when it became too much? Once we got all the animals kind of away from her, she really turned on her sister even more. And
1: it became very verbal that her intent was to kill her sister. To kill her, her little sister? sister. Her biological sister. And she had been abusing her sister throughout this. Um, It was stuff. These were all things that we were still trying to work on in therapy. And we we had done the keeping them apart. We had done all of these things. It progressed so fast. Every time we took away something else for her to abuse, though, where she was dividing her abuse. And she was abusing me. But I was sort of accepting that. I had started covering up with long sleeves and all those things to hide Mm -hmm. so that nobody accused Joe and uh, because they would be more than willing to believe that my husband was beating and abusing me, but they wouldn't want to believe that my child was. And then it got like, you know, I'm sitting in the, I was cooking dinner in the kitchen and it was winter and we had the fireplace going and Layla loves to stand in front of the fireplace, like just stand there. It's such a cozy spot. A little love seat there, and there's a. She had her. Um, we have a had a bean bag for her because she's very textural and scented or, oriented. So she'd curl up in there. But she was standing this time, and all of a sudden, from in the kitchen, I heard a scream, and it was Ella screaming Layla's name. Mm-hmm. And I just dropped everything because I also heard the dog run down the hall, which is means he's running away from the situation because by now he was having stress seizures from both being abused himself and not being able to protect his family. And I ran into the living room and I saw Ella with her arms, both like this straight out running towards Layla and Layla's directly in front of the fireplace lit going. Um, we had been outside playing. We're going to have hot chocolate. I was doing all that. And, um, so I dove over the side of the of the love seat on the ground. I put one arm out like on the side so that I could block Layla, and she fell into the um, beanbag. And I put the other arm out like this straight, and Ella ran into my arm. So her when she ran into my arm, she landed on the floor. Her bum hits the carpet, the area rug we have, and I hit the floor with my face into the bricks of the hearth <laughs> fireplace. And I just laid there, kind of stunned, still thinking, "What is mm-hmm. happening?" Mm-hmm. Layla sat in the Layla sat in her beanbag, not saying a word, just absolutely nothing. Stunned, stunned. And I finally looked over at Ella because she's screaming like words, like not even crying, saying words at me. And I kept hearing the F word and all these other words, and. I'm looking at her and I said, what, what? I mean, again, totally, I don't know if I just used to go numb, calm, what, but I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Or maybe part of me was afraid of her because if I yelled at her, that's what she truly wanted. And then she'd go tell everybody, I I don't know what my logic was at the time or if I hadn't.
0: Right. It's a big mind game. It's a big mind game.
1: But she said, I don't know why. Why? Why? Oh, she said to me. She was. Why would you ever do that to me, Mom? And I said, You were trying to hurt your sister. I can't let you hurt Layla. And she said, Well, I wasn't trying to f and hurt you. I was just trying to f and attack
0: Layla. That's her logic.
1: And I and I sat there. And then she said. And you need to start letting me do whatever I want to her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, there's no trauma-based therapy for this. There's no real therapy, like not real, traditional, whatever word you want. it. Like there's nothing. Mm -hmm. There's no, I can't even open Webster's for this (laughs) one. Like how, how, how do I, I've got 97 books over there and none Mm -hmm. of them tell me how to talk to somebody like this. And yet, at this point, she had been, we'd been going in and outpatient, and they give me all these little, you know, I've got every bubbler, I've got every squeezy thing, I've got every tool, toy. Right. Nothing's working. Nothing. So we did nothing. So we did the, you know, she attempted to throw her in the fireplace. She had, my husband did take them to the skating rink. I was sick as could be in 2018. March actually. She had just just come out of impatient with a matter of a week. It was a week. She had just come out of an impatient stay. So we're like,
0: all right, we're good again. We can do this again. You know how you get the right. Yeah. We were still in that wind. We
1: were still in that fantasy world of this is gonna be okay one of these times that we come out of the impatient unit. And so our our town does a, a little skating outside skating rink. And she got mad about something when they were coming home and she grabbed an ice skate and cracked Layla over the head with it. This was his first, I think it might have been his first incident of that violent nature alone. He had seen him. I mean, he'd seen him here together, but trying to deal with it alone and then still drive home to get home safely to figure right. out what do you do. Right. And he was just like, oh, my God, what do we do? I mean, it's been a week. This is getting to the point now where how the heck do we handle this? So, you know, I checked Layla. She was okay. And then I took her, Ella, and I ended up going directly to crisis. And we were at another ER visit. She ended up back inpatient again. That was another another three-week stay. Came home again with another list of 27 different interventions and tools to try. And we tried them all. Within a few weeks, we were back into crisis. This time we were in a crisis building, not in an ER, because we were on community services, so we didn't have to go to the ER to try to prevent the ER love thing. And in the crisis ER building, they had to call the police on her because they couldn't handle her. But then they told me we had to take her home and wait for a bed. And I said to myself at that point, and if I was who I am now, I would have said it there. If you have to call the police here into this crisis building, where at first we started out with three crisis team members, then we called the this, this police social worker to intervene, and then we had to actually call an officer to intervene. So you have five of you that are all mental, four, mental health, and a police officer. I'm supposed to take her home and wait for a bit with my husband and I, and her sibling that she's intent on killing, and my son who she's intent on having sex with, and my animals that she's... Terrorizing one by one, and that's what we're expected to do as rat parents. Are expected to run our homes like psychiatric institutions, and yet without the support, what without the support, without the services, and without the devices. Because, as I said to the someone here in the state at the state level, most of the interventions that are allowed to be used inpatient, we can't use in our homes. That's a
0: really good point,
1: and yet. We're told to take these kids home and wait in bed because they meet hospital-level criteria. They meet RTC-level criteria. But then when our homes are, are rushed in because somebody makes a call or because a, a rad child makes a false allegation and then our, they rush in, we're putting those same interventions that they would in the hospital, in the RTC, to keep our family safe, and it's being called abuse.
0: I'm really glad you bring that up because that's exactly what's happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, we were told over and over and over what we, and we didn't actually end up even doing, pulling everything out of the room, all of that. One thing we did end up doing was moving into our room, which we had tried to avoid doing because she special needs as well. So we have to be careful there too. When you're talking life and death, that becomes a bit of a- Survival, anything. Yeah. She's saying, you know, she sleeps in mom and dad's room. Working with people who—here's a good example—for working with people who understand you and know you and support you. Layla, is, yeah, four years old. So, I mean, I used to have to lay with her in bed for an hour and a half. Now, would I do that with my severe rad? No, I wouldn't. But with Layla, she—I was nervous with her. I don't know if I would do this if I had did not have people that I thoroughly trusted. She went to preschool one day. And said to one of her teachers, she was jittery all over the place at lunchtime after nap, or for nap time. And they asked her. They said, "Well, what does your mom do to help you get to bed?" Well, my mom gets in bed with me, and she climbs right on top of me and lays on top of me so that I can't move. Now, keeping in mind, she's not maliciously saying anything. Wow. She's also got fetal alcohol syndrome, and Mm -hmm. she's delayed. So. cognitively delayed and um or more socially emotionally she's made a lot of progress now but if those folks did not know me and my husband call immediately or if you had a rad yeah like her sister overheard her saying that she would take that and run away in a second from day one the concerns we had about how jittery she was and what i had to do the hours on end I had to spend holding her because mm-hmm. so I didn't lay on top of her. What I did is I wrapped my legs because she, she wanted to be swaddled
0: mm-hmm.
1: so badly. And I, I mean, I wrap her up in a blanket and try to hold her. Right. Um, and that's how she would go to sleep. So that's, you know, one example of how easily those things get misconstrued when it's up there. It's, she was begging to be held like an infant and she would
0: climb up in my lap for that. And people don't know or take the time to really listen to that story. So you're lucky that you had people. And I think that's very important for listeners to get is that communicating what you're going through and finding people, anybody just so that you have some kind of ally is helpful because those allies don't often even exist in the professional world where they're supposed to help you. So you're a mom who you know, raised your kids, you have a younger biological son, who is now growing up with these two adoptive kiddos, and the one Ella with rad, and you're experiencing the intense behaviors, and then you're experiencing the lack of support. And so we don't have too much time. But I'd really like to hear a bit more of the story, and I think listeners would too, about the relinquishment piece. So you obviously were very prepared people. You did have a lot of support, but still not a lot. And then you're getting your child into these treatment centers and crisis centers and the ER over and over. It's that cyclical, you know, you send them there, they do what they do, and they always come back home to the parent. And like you're saying, without the resources, tell us about the relinquishment piece.
1: Yeah. So I think the point is, is that no matter how well prepared you are or think you are, RAD is its own entity. Um, And with everything that we had, as soon as you get involved with a certain group of people, the mental health piece doesn't understand it. The system doesn't understand it. So we definitely had a certain group who we were very familiar with and safe with, but as soon as we got outside of that limited pocket, everything fell apart for us. And
0: you told me that that limited pocket was actually private pay. You found those people and you paid for that out of pocket. We were, I found
1: them through resources that I had used in the past for people I would worked with and we had private insurance for and we had private pay for some, but we did use their Medicaid Gotcha. for some. Okay. Yeah. So, so their, their foster, their foster and adoptive insurance paid for some, we paid out of the pocket for some, we paid out of pocket for a number of things for her that insurance wouldn't cover. But they were all the resources we
0: found were ones that were ones that we had you handpicked
1: yeah. 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 We didn't use any any and we never had any sort of post adoptive services. They didn't they didn't ex- show they didn't show up for us until it was relinquishment time. Once we decided so we had dealt with the fireplace and then there was an attempted drowning that summer in our pool. Where Joe um had taken them into the pool into the pool which is attached to our backyard our house and is a large pool she was intentionally holding her underwater wouldn't let her up and he had to come you know get the 40 feet across to pull her up
0: ella was holding layla under the
1: water her Uh, sister and she and layla had a floaty and everything because she couldn't swim well and she still was holding her under and then we had there was more incidents of just the constant She saying she was going to kill her ella was making weapons out of anything she could find despite us you can remove all the sharpies, you know, all the sharps, everything sharpies. I guess I use those a lot lately. <laughs> sharps, you know, knives, yeah. anything you want. But when you have a child that's picking at their windowsill to make sharps out of their, out of wood, I think that's what professionals don't understand either. So we were finding things. And by August of 2018, she ended up on a waiting list for an RTC. By September, she we were having a little family get-together, and family was watching a a cocoon hatching on our deck, and there was extended family here, and she, Ella, became so obscenely upset that extended family was watching this butterfly morph out that they weren't paying attention to her. She attempted to throw her sister up a ledge that we have on our property, and I was, just as I was walking around the corner, so I caught her before she hit the pavement in our driveway. I was appalled. There was one family member that actually saw it at the same time. Another family member was upset that I had her stay in her room for a while, take a break because the butterfly was coming out at that same time and I said, "Sorry,
0: when you attempt to murder somebody in our <laughs> during the middle of a
1: butterfly hatching,
0: that's just the way it goes." Right. And they don't see what you've been living through day to day and all of these stories. I think any person just listening to your cat being strangled, that story, I think that's enough. And that was just one incident. And here you are living this every day, every day. And so people don't see that.
1: Yeah. The final thing I think too was uh, we were on a waiting list, on a waiting list. And then she really severely injured my my dog, my work working dog, who was helpless at 125 pounds. Um, she slammed him in our backslider doors, and he was just collapsed on the ground. And and then one morning, the final morning, where I called, I woke up and I had the. I didn't sleep much, anyways, but I had the monitor by my bed, and I could see it, it's got the night vision, and she was up standing over her sister's bed, and. We had put her in her room after she'd gone to sleep and everybody gone to sleep and it seemed like it was going to be okay. Some of those decisions you're like, why, why now did I make those mm-hmm. decisions? But every once in a while you want a little bit of peace and quiet and you think things might be okay.
0: Absolutely! <laughs> oh my God.
1: And our doors were always open. Like, you know, my, my head was literally six feet from the door. So from, and about eight feet from their door. So I was like, all right, we'll we'll try this, and then we, um, she was standing over her bed, and it was the oddest thing, and I ended up running into the room. I didn't wait to see what was going to happen. I ran into the room, and she scooted up. She had a a loft bed, so she scooted up to the top of her loft bed, and I didn't see anything else, but I was like, what are you doing? Nothing, and I got her up, got her out of the room and I had her out waiting to go to school. And I was just sick. I I was so sick. Like I was actually becoming seriously physically ill. And I mean, it was, my body was falling apart at that point. It had been over three years since I'd slept and my nutrition was falling apart. My body wasn't absorbing nutrients anymore. Things were, my whole system was, I was developing actually my body was rejecting food nutrients developing food allergies from all of it it was just crazy breaking down so yeah it was um so I got her out to school she had a private driver I called I did call her school even though it was the therapeutic school and I didn't have the same level of relationship with them that I had with our previous school but I called and I said I need an honest answer how is she doing in school I don't need all the gr- the grades and crap. I need to know what's happening in the school, because your little behavior checkoff sheets don't come home half the time, and they're all
0: you know. Right. I don't know. Who's Let's get the real story.
1: So her teacher did tell me
0: things had been bad.
1: Would have been nice to know. Um, that might have helped, and that her behaviors were getting worse and more dangerous. And I said, okay, I'm calling crisis. I need her out of the house now. It's getting bad. I got. On the phone, a crisis worker I had worked with on a really difficult case outside of our our in-home thing, which was amazing. So again, we got very lucky, I guess, if you want to say, in that sense. But it was also very comforting because he said to me, for me, my grief hit really hard when I had to take her to the RTC. It was me letting go of the control and realizing that Everything I was doing was failing to this is what I was thinking at the time. This is not what I believe at the moment now. But at the time, I had that first time of I'm really letting somebody else take control and I have to trust them. And that's not worked so far, you know, but at the same time, it's not working here either. So sitting with this person, he said to me, he said, Cheryl, I've worked with you. I've seen what you can do. I've seen how you've worked with families that nobody else wants to work with. And some of the people you're willing to sit and try to help through parenting work with. He said, no one under any circumstances, two parents with professional PhD psychology degrees and no other children and no other pets could do this right now. And he said, I don't know if they could do it in the future, but you need to give yourself a break and go back and take care of the family you have at home and let somebody else manage her for right now and rest. I'm like, yeah, we're good. What's up? But it was good to hear that, and that was the last time I heard it. Mm-hmm. Really? That was the last time we ever heard somebody in the mental health profession that was working with her ever tell us we were doing a good job. Really? Until, well, I mean, until... We ended up getting our, our little tribe that we had to find to help finish. Mm -hmm. So where is,
0: where is Ellen now?
1: So as we were going through the RTC thing, things did not improve. We all, we also received very, very significant, clear, it was very clear to us that our family didn't matter. This was all about her. To her? It was all about her
0: family. Didn't matter to no. The family didn't. No, the family did not
1: matter to the the team. Oh, okay. Um. So it was all about our family changing to meet her needs. Mm. It was nothing about working with her to deal with the underlying trauma that was preventing her from being able to work with to become part of a family. We had no problem with adjusting. We've done it. I don't know how many other times. Every time they said jump, we jump. But we were at the point where we couldn't keep playing jump rope. We were running out of ropes.
0: Nothing was changing. It was getting worse and you're in survival mode and now you're getting sick. Right. So I needed, yeah, what we needed was my husband and I needed to be able to be married Mm -hmm. as a couple and
1: treated as a couple. We needed to have our son and Layla safe and their needs met equally as well as honest. And I do understand that when you have a, a child with leukemia or something like that, other needs get dropped while that child is in crisis. But a child with leukemia also has a specialist team who understands leukemia and understands that parents have burnout and will try. And there's a whole bunch of people that will surround that family and they'll help that family get through. When you have a rad child, everybody runs in the other direction because nobody wants to help that family and. If it was a matter of we knew we had a solid team of professionals to help us with our child with reactive attachment disorder for nine months, a year, and it was inclusive and wrapped our family around and took care of us, I think we could have done it really well and even dropped everything for a year. But that's not the way it exists. It's you drop the rest of your kids, they're going to be fine because, hey, we all know kids are resilient as hell, right? Our programs all show that. It shows the proof of resiliency. But I think those of us that live the real world know that that's not true. We are so good as humans at convincing ourselves that, you know, rainbows and butterflies and tomorrow is a new day is mm. enough. But for me, I got so tired of hearing, well, Cheryl, tomorrow's a new day, but I know what tomorrow's going to bring. It's going to remind me of everything I have to deal with and that's where it became too much was when every single day we were getting seven and eight and nine phone calls a day about her behaviors, about the escalations, to try to de-escalate her, being told that we were not being compliant, being told this wouldn't have happened if we had done more. When I had 10 pages of things that we had done, along with 20 pages of her behaviors, our house being set on fire by her, in the middle of the night i was like how are you going to stop that it wasn't even with matches
0: and like you say just living your your day to day survival on top of it you're dealing with all the external stuff and again nobody recognizing and seeing what you're dealing with i mean we could have a whole conversation about what it feels like as a parent i think you've done a good job but so you relinquished ella back to the state
1: yeah that was um so we ended up getting um we had a really bad meeting at the RTC. I I did. My poor husband was in the emergency room with cardiac issues. And in order to prove that we were involved, I left my poor husband at the emergency room with cardiac
0: issues. To avoid that judgment. And I mm-hmm. went to this
1: meeting. It did not go well because they certainly treated me much worse when he was not there. They were very demeaning. After that meeting, I came home, I fell apart, absolutely sobbing on my floor. That was my breakdown moment. And I Googled I hit Google again for the 9,000th time and tried to find something about RAD. And back then, you could Google RAD and find almost nothing. And this was just a couple of years ago. The first thing that literally popped up was RAD Advocates. I have no idea why. I don't know if their page had just started, but I I had been looking for someone to help for a good couple of years before that. And I couldn't find anything.
0: And I'm like, oh,
1: heck with it. What's one more person judging me? I don't care at this point. I literally could, I'd rather jump out my window than listen, than live this life another day. I can't do this. I mean, I, the fantasies I had of trying to escape life, um, like Jason Bourne style, mm-hmm. you know, but you can't Mm-mm. do it. I like, I would, live, I'm watching all of these shows and I know we all have this twisted minds, you know, I'm watching all these yeah. ID shows, like how... On ID Discovery (laughs) Channel, how can I possibly Mm -hmm. like and like get away with it? And there's no way. I've been there. Yeah. So. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. So it was funny (laughs) because I'm like, I can't. All right. If I can't escape life, how can I do this? So we we found Rad Advocates. I sent the email, and I think probably it was just my email showed the desperation within mm a short period of time. I got a phone call back, and I started telling our story, and all of a sudden our advocate stopped me and said, well, wait a minute. How old is this child we're talking about? And I said, you know, I said it started at six and she's... Because now she's 10. She was seven or eight at the time when I called them. Eight. So she was eight. I think she was eight. And she's she just stopped for a second. She said, I thought we were talking about a teenager. Hold on. I got to breathe for a second. Okay, let's restart. But they were, she was so great. Because what she said to mm-hmm. me for the first time, and I was very tenuous. It was like walking on eggshells, I'm sure, as you can imagine, because you're so tired of hearing people tell you how to run your family, how to do what you need to do, because you want that. You want that. But you don't want that, because what they're telling you is all things you've done 800 times
0: mm-hmm.
1: and literally been beaten. Not, we're not talking like just, all right, been beaten down literally been beaten exhausted lied to and not just
0: by your rad right because as a rad parent you're seeking out any support which like you're saying there isn't a lot of and when you get it you follow it to the letter because you're so hopeful Absolutely. and you want it to work you're desperate you will do anything so which makes us vulnerable right. even though we don't want to right. be but you're not vulnerable you literally try everything
1: yeah, yeah, you will. And so I, I fear for people who don't have, and this is, it, it breaks my heart. I've actually broken down in tears a number of times about this because my heart literally, when when COVID first hit, my heart sunk immediately for families.
0: I know. it. I ached so mm-hmm. bad. Because all these kids, the rad kids end up at home who even have been at other places that are keeping them safe and the family healthy. All these kids now are back at home in the trigger environment and these poor families having to live this every day.
1: I think that's, that's so important mm-hmm. for people to understand is that when kids go into RTCs or things like that, although Ella's not doing great, even in the RTC, or if she was. If the treatment was working, we'd have her home. Yeah, good point. She has not been able to return home because then the times that we did try to bring her home for visits, she continued to try to attack her sister, even at Christmas. So the last time she was physically in our home was a year ago at Christmas with her sister. She still continued to attack her sister at visits. Emotionally, physically, whatever. We stopped those and then we continued our visits alone with her. We pulled her out to try to put her into a more rad and tuned environment. But by now, they have done so much um, reward-based treatment with her as well as just the extent of her Behaviors. It was literally the one place in the country that was even willing to try. And she lasted three hours. We hadn't even made it back to our hotel to get dinner. And we were called to come get her, and she had attacked a number of kids. So that was our we were that was our final thing. We said that we asked the state here to move her to a rad specific facility after she'd been at that RTC for eight months. That was with the assistance of rad advocates. They denied us. We had a bunch of our therapists come in and try to help. We were still denied. Um, Things kept getting worse. And it was at that point that we just knew every few months it was going to be, if you're not spending every weekend doting on her, it was argument. I mean, they were getting to be volatile arguments about the fact that we were not spending every weekend with her when our children here had spent four years with no one,
0: and you've spent the last four years doing that day in and day out, and with extreme behaviors, and I, I don't get it.
1: Uh, we had an emergency family situation and again because we had no, no one. We never had respite ever, not even once. No family members. The one family, uh, the couple of family members that we may have trusted to be able to try, I would never put them in that situation because they had young children. You know, now we do have one of our daughters is next door, who I totally trust to care for Layla and Bennett in the same way that we would parent, and they understand the parent style that we need, and they support that. And they're even if it's a little different than the way they parent their children, they're willing to do what we need to do to for Layla's healing and growth, for Bennett's healing and growth. But yeah, it was really challenging because there's um someone who I consider very much like a mom, a mentor to me, who was who had a family emergency and I'm other than this one person, I was her only family. I had to leave home to be able to be with her. And I needed to do that. She was there for me since I was a toddler. And that's really, really, really as a challenging decision. Cause you're like, how do you manage this? When you have a child, you're not supposed to be leaving, but you have this. So at that it was like, you know what we're, we have, this is what I have to do. And we made it work. Right, But um, those are the things people don't Mm -hmm. think about with Rad. I've got a a family member who I love and I've loved my whole life, who's got someone they love passing away. And I've got a child with Rad that I, I really shouldn't be leaving in my home
0: with her own father. All the little things that most families don't even think about or have to worry about. They can just pick up and go. And
1: she's perfectly safe with her own father. Yeah. Right. But is he mm-hmm. safe with her? And that's the scary part. is It's not even, you know, that I'm afraid, afraid that she's going to get hurt. I'm afraid that she can hurt my son and him. So, yeah, we just had to, it was at the end, it came to the point where it was very clear that we were not going to be able to get her the care that we were trying to fight for. Um, I ended up, and I actually really think this is a great idea for people to have. I ended up ordering a copy of her entire medical record,
0: Mm -hmm. which
1: was 3,000 pages long in just a couple of years that we had her. And she didn't even go inpatient for the first few years. Uh, So I got a copy of that. I got a copy of her community service. I never got anything from DCF, ever from pre adoption, post adoption, nothing. But all of her medical records from everywhere that we had ever had. Um, I got copies of all of those, and some of the things that were documented that we were not told that were occurring in the RTC absolutely sealed the deal for us. Because what we were being told in meetings on how well she was doing was not actually occurring. The sexualized behaviors were occurring in the RTC. The violence was occurring in the RTC. And had we known all of these things before we took her to this other place that we were trying to go for a permanent placement, it probably would have told us that she never would have made it there anyways. And I'm not sure I would have traveled with her to do that because it's it had written right in there that she had attempted to run away from the RTC to our house to choke us each
0: to death. What is life like now?
1: Yeah, it took us about a year to to do the, the full relinquishment. Right. Um Of course, there was some delays because of COVID. There were some delays because they, her attorney wanted sibling contact.
0: It's been a year since you chose not to pick up.
1: Yeah. So we ended up, yeah, we brought her back home, got her to the hospital and inpatient. And we ended up refusing pickup because they told us 24 hours after we dropped her off that she was ready for pickup. So we said no. And that started the ball rolling. It's been a year. And then they ended up moving her back to the same RTC that we removed her from. We ended up, it's been a year now. We just signed our final voluntary relinquishment paperwork. Um, A few weeks ago, it's been a long year. It was not an easy journey. It's not a decision that we regret in that way. The decision we regret is that these children did not have the life that they had in the beginning. They should have had, you know, it's, We know we did everything that we should have, that we could have, given the information we had.
0: And what is your hope for the future from this point forward? What do you hope for yourself, for Rad, your hope for Ella? A lot's happened. It's
1: not been what we thought it was going to be because the world isn't what we thought it was going to be. On the other hand, there's been a lot of changes that have come out of it, both for myself personally. We talked a bit in the beginning. I'm not even close to the same person I was. I don't think you can ever go back to being the same person you were. There's a lot of positives. There's also a lot of negatives. I realized how traumatized I was by living with Rad. I think it's different in each family by for each person. But for me, it wasn't even as much by my child as it was by the whole system, by people. By people you thought you could trust. Um, Some family, some friends, truly the professionals and then loved by those who you didn't realize maybe that weren't there your whole life, but in the last number of years, really stepped up to the plate and became so valuable to you that you know will be there for the rest of your life. The areas that are so incredibly painful that it's going to take a lot of work is The pain that being doubted so much did because now I realize just how much distrust I have in so many people again that I worked a lot on myself. Even after Ella went to the RTC for a year, I worked a lot on gaining confidence in myself again, which Rad Advocates helped me with. And I think it was in these final moments of What was supposed to be a really good gesture by the judge, and it was a wonderful gesture, but the feeling of something more than what a gut punch feels like, I don't even know. Not that I've been punched in the gut other than by a child, but I don't know. The beating down that we got in court that the judge listened to and berating, and then at the end, she didn't. She was quiet through most of it, and then she said to the Ruzos, I want to say thank you for everything you did a child that was so difficult and challenged already when she entered your home that you went so far above and beyond for her, that most people wouldn't.
0: And at that moment, when she said that, it hurt worse than it, than it felt. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your story. I feel like we could talk for hours and maybe we'll, I bet we could, and maybe we'll have to have you on again and uh, talk about some more targeted things. But thank you so, so much. Really grateful that you were here. Thank you, Tracy. Good luck. You're doing a great job. Keep going. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.